Welcome to Climbing the Pockets Mock Draft Mondays. Who will the Vikings pick and who's your favorite choice? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another rousing edition of Mock Draft Monday. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis, and we have the producer, Dave, here. And we have a, a very special guest here tonight that the digital content creator for Score North and the host of the Mackie and Jeb podcast in Purple Daily, Phil Mackey. How you doing, man? I am doing great. We are in the middle of this glorious free agency period. We're a month away from the draft, and I don't know that I can think of, I guess the the, the offseason where the Vikings acquired Kirk Cousins was very exciting because they didn't know who the quarterback was going to be, but like that happened pretty early on. This has been a really exciting offseason so far, and the Vikings and and the front office and Rob Brzezinski, the, the cap guru, have been just doing a ridiculous job of clearing money, signing players, clearing money, signing players. And we can talk about philosophy throughout this and if it's the right philosophy, but it's been fun so far. Thanks for having me on tonight. No, absolutely. And I think uh, kind of the first thing to kind of branch off of that, what's really interesting is not only have they been clearing a lot of money and making a lot of impactful moves for this year, None of these moves have extended past the life of the Kirk Cousins contract, which kind of speaks volumes for what their strategy is. Their strategy is win now. And if it doesn't work, they can cut bait and they can they can start all over if they want. Now, reports have come out that the Wilfs really want a Steelers type organization with continuity and consistency where you don't have that really big valley of like a three and 13 year. But your valleys are like last year, seven and nine. So I'm really interested to kind of see how that plays out and how they keep proceeding forward throughout the rest of the offseason. Yeah, the Steelers thing and, and the Giants, the, the the Wolves have always been big Giants fans historically, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think right now, 15, 16 years into their ownership tenure, there has been quite a bit of stability. I mean, they're like they're like Steelers light. They're like diet Giants, right? They've had some. They've had more stability than the Browns and the Jets and the Dolphins and some other teams over the last 15 years. But they've 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 sustained borderline playoff success over 15 or 16 years as an ownership group, which, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I I would not mm-hmm. want to be the Jets fan base or the Browns fan. I mean, the Browns fan base now is finally getting a taste of winning for the first time in like 20 years. I think sometimes I wonder and and this is where I can be construed a little bit as as negative on our on our Purple Daily podcast. I sometimes wonder if the ownership and the front office fear two and fourteen and three and thirteen more than they crave Super Bowl level success. I think it's very very comfortable and very profitable being in the mix for the playoffs every year, and like the risk of potentially losing that and then falling into some sort of a two and fourteen stretch for two or three years is something that they don't that they would like to avoid rightfully so. And so they're kind of caught in this interesting area of are they making the right moves to get back to playoff contention or are they making the right moves to get to Super Bowl contention? And I think there's a bigger gap there than sometimes the organization, the media and the fan base would would maybe like you just get in the playoffs and see what happens. I don't know that it's that simple in the NFL, but hey, they're go- I mean they're going down if if this is Mike Zimmer's last year He's getting every toy that he ever wanted, right, defensively. They they literally, I don't think, unless I'm missing one because they traded for Mason Gold, I don't think they've spent a dime on an offensive free agent yet this offseason. So Mike Zimmer is getting his way going into what might be his final year. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting how the offense pertains to the uh, to the rest of the offseason because you're right. The only two acquisitions were re-signing of Rashad Hill and then that trade for Mason Cole, who has no guaranteed left money on his deal. So if he ends up bombing in training camp, they can cut bait and get $2.1 million back for the cap. Uh, I'm, I am I just don't understand the Wolves' Tyler, perspective, even though I – yeah. You forgot the most important re-signing of the group. What's that? Chad Beebe? Chad Beebe, baby. Oh, uh, no. Wide receiver I would rather six. Ha- I would rather have <laughs> his dad play right now than have Chad Beebe on the roster. <laughs> I loved Don Beebe in the mid-90s. He was he was just scrappy and talented and just fun. We also Don Beebe assigned- with one of the most legendary hustle plays in NFL history, right? The, he was the mm-hmm. he was the one who tracked down Leon Lett from whatever, 80 yards away. Yep, and if I remember correctly, he caught the first touchdown pass that Frank Reich threw in the uh, 41-38 Oilers game as well. So wow. he's, he's got a couple of kind of legendary moments that people remember. So so Dave is saying that Chad Beebe has some legendary bloodlines, and we just have to be patient. <laughs> no. It's, it's going to come to fruition at some point when you least expect it in a key primetime game. <laughs> uh, Chad yeah. Beebe should be I, a great wide receiver six. Um but it just and we also re-signed Amir Abdullah on the offensive side, our quote third string running back. So yeah, yeah, I, so I don't like that one. Was paid to the offense, just yeah. very very little. I would I would rather have my third running back be like a high spark athlete like Mark, Mike Boone was, who was only uh, second to Saquon Barkley in his class. Like that's the kind of guy I want as my running back three. Not Amir Abdullah, who was a second round pick in what 2014 and really hasn't done anything in the league. Like to me, it's just uh, a misuse of resources. Trying to develop a guy instead of having a guy who's already capped his ceiling and it's really not that good. Yeah. So can I? I, I know that I know Tyler's leading the show here, but I wanna I wanna ask you a question. I wanna interview you for a second, Tyler, because right. I appre- I appreciate when people have strong opinions and they and they stick to their convictions. And and then also like, you know, move off an opinion if you're wrong. And I think I think people are waiting for me to move off my Kirk Cousins takes up too much of the cap for the Vikings to win a Super Bowl opinion. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm not going to move off that. Yeah, I'll be the first to admit that I'm wrong. Yeah. But my question for you is you have been steadfast in saying guards don't matter that you you literally just need to plug a body in. don't waste a first round pick on a guard. Right. Don't go and spend your entire free agency allotment on Joe Tooney like. Guards don't matter. Do does your opinion hold strong after the Dakota Dozier debacle from last year? And I'm not even like picking at you. I'm curious. Like I want to know more about your stance on guards after watching what happened up the middle for the Vikings last year. Here's the thing with guards don't matter, Phil. Guards only matter if they're abysmal. Guards matter if they're Dakota Dozier. What guards don't matter is about is the same thing that running backs don't matter is about. They just need to be replacement level and above. Like get average guard play, and this offense is a top five offense more more likely because you're able to handle that interior pressure. You get Austin Blythe in here, Forrest Lamp in here, give him like two three million bucks a piece, and you have good guard play. That's all you need. And the only reason you pay a guard big time money is if it's Quentin Nelson or Zach Martin, guys who are monsters in the middle and are true difference makers that can bolt bolster up the rest of your offensive line. Quentin Nelson went at six to the Colts, completely changed the dynamic of that Indianapolis team just yeah. by his presence and how he plays the game and carries himself. 
that is what I, I consider the anomaly. It's it's not your normal. And when you look at guys in this draft, like Elijah Vera Tucker, I think he's going to be a really good player. I don't think he's a difference maker at 14 when you could get a Quiddy Pay, a Jalen Phillips, a Samuel Cosme, who is, uh, according to Kentley Platt, Math Bomb on Twitter, he does the relative athletic scores where he takes like the kind of the mock draftable spider web and averages it out. He is the second highest graded athletic tackle in the last 30 years. And the only one higher is Northern Iowa's Spencer Brown this year. And he even said that may flip flop. Those are the kind of guys that. Sorry, I'm just saying those are the kind of guys you want to take at 14. You don't want to take a guard, get good enough guard play. You don't need great. I don't know if you guys can uh, will be able to hear this, but we have we have a sound bar on Purple Daily for whenever someone like we're 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 deep dive into football, but when someone like brings a football term, we always award them a football sounder. And so you, what was the web term you just used, Tyler? The draft web? Oh, um, mock draftable football. Let me hit you with the football sounder right there. So so you're ba- you're basically saying. So Dakota Dozier mattered because he was the worst guard in the entire league and they stuck with him for the entire season. But like the difference between, let's say, let's say Austin Blythe or Forrest, although I'm a little skeptical about Forrest Lamp because he was also graded by PFF as one of the three or four worst left guards. But like Mason Cole shifting over, let's say he goes back to playing guard and performs at the level that he did a couple of years ago, that like that's going to be good enough to not be a train wreck. And so don't spend $16 million a year on Joe Tooney when Austin Blythe could do the trick and then you free up money for the other positions. Is that fair? It is absolutely fair. I believe if you have two really good tackles and a capable center, and I think part of Bradbury's issues is he's had just abysmal guard play next to him. And you could kind of tell, like, especially with Reef in like 2018, some of the things he was doing, he was not necessarily focusing on himself. He was trying to help out guard and then try and kick out to his responsibilities. And that wasn't working. So if you get two average guard plays, we're talking like like about like PFF guard 35 and run and pass blocking it overall. Like that's all you need. Get good guard play and you can take this thing to the next level. Yeah. It's going to be so interesting here now because the Vi- the Vikings can still clear some cap space if they I, – I think – I mean, Harrison Smith restructure is still on the table, but I think there's a Daniil Hunter contract still coming here. I, I, he, he re-added Vikings things to his Instagram, which may sound trivial and ridiculous, but like that matters in 2021. Whenever a player deletes references to the team they play for on their Instagram account, something's wrong. And so the mm-hmm. fact that he added some things back in actually legitimately makes me believe that the conversation him and Zimmer had last week, as was reported, that, that Zimmer probably told him, dude, pipe down with this athletic story stuff, like deleting things off Instagram. Uh, just like relax. We have 15 things we need to do right now to clear some space and sign some players, but you're on our list. Don't worry. Um, and so if they, if they restructure his contract and give him the top dollar that he believes he deserves. And I think if he's healthy, he absolutely deserves. It probably gives them some relief in 2021 and then the cap go up. But to your point earlier, Tyler, they are like, they're being fairly irresponsible with contracts beyond 2021. I mean, they're like they're loading in money, dead money for some of these players that might not even be on the roster for later seasons. And so I think they're pretty much all in for 2021. And then everyone's going to wait and see after the smoke clears. Are we still employed? Okay, great. 
And or maybe and maybe they win a Super Bowl. I don't know. But I think they're they this is the most all in for one season I have seen since Mike Zimmer took over as coach for sure. And I'm here for it. I mean, you might as well. Like this this franchise hasn't won a Super Bowl in 60 years. And so if that means pushing money out irresponsibly into future years and then dealing with the Kirk Cousins $45 million cap hit for 22 later. All right, I'll strap in. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if this team's going to beat the chiefs or if this team's going to beat, uh, you know, some of the other contenders that are going to pop up in the NFC. But like, I can respect the fact that they're going out Mike Zimmer's way and I can respect all the work they've done to clear money to sign free agents over the last two or three weeks. Absolutely. And when you look at it, they're, the really only big hit so far uh, as far as dead money is concerned next year is that Anthony Barr contract with, I think, $10.8 million. And considering that when they went into last year, there was so much, like with free agency, you, there was just so much unknown. Nobody knew what the cap was going to be, and nobody knew that it was going to be $183 million when it was projected to be, what, around 210 So you're talking almost a $30 million swing. And I think Rob Brzezinski's done a great job of kind of managing expectations and kind of and being the cap guru who he is. And I'm really excited to kind of see how this season plays out because they are going all in on the season. And if a new regime takes over, they have the ability to cut bait on everything and start fresh, which I, I wonder if that was the directive from the Wilfs. Yeah, it could be. I think, I think the Wilfs are very much year to year as well here too. I mean, they gave the extensions to Zimmer and to, to Spielman. Um, but at some point, they want to win a Super Bowl too, and it kind of. It, it, I, I do believe the reporting that Chad Graff did in the Athletic, and I know that our own Judd Zolgad on Purple Daily has done his own reporting on this. That there were exploratory talks between Zimmer and Spielman, who presumably were on the same page with this as they took it to the Wilfs, saying, "Listen, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, and we appreciate everything he's done to this point. There are some flaws, but like we appreciate him." Um, we, we can't do the whole 31 million, 45 million cap hit thing with him. Like we, so we either need to restructure and then guarantee him more money at age 35, 36, or there's enough teams looking for quarterbacks, including the 49ers. And Kyle Shanahan came out again today and said how much he loved Kirk cousins before they signed Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I do believe based on reporting that the Vikings look to potentially trade Kirk Cousins and maybe even just take a step back at that position for a minute while they crafted something more for the next three years. And the Wilfs said, uh-uh, we, we lost a bunch of money last year because nobody sat in that stadium and we need to be relevant in 2021 and we don't want to risk taking a step back from a good, maybe not great, but good quarterback. And that's sort of, the, that, that's the crossroads that they're at. I mean, right, right as of right now, even though guards don't matter, like they don't have a left side of the offensive line. I mean, Ezra Cleveland might play left tackle. Um, and but even then, like he's never played left tackle in the NFL before. So we don't know what he's gonna look like at left tackle in the NFL. And you're trying to win a Super Bowl. So there's still moves to be made, and they've definitely made that defense a lot better. And it should be really good stopping the run on first and second down. But there's still enough question marks that just it just makes me I just I need to see what happens over the next month with the remainder of free agency and the draft before I really commit to okay, this is what I think this team can do in 2021. I don't know what they can do in 2021 yet because they don't have a left side of the offensive line. So I guess I guess we'll see. Absolutely, Phil. And I think that means it's time to try and rebuild the left side of that offensive line. 
And let's start our four-round mock wow. draft. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the simulators, Phil, but we always use the draft network. Um, it, it, it's To me, it does a fantastic job. Plus, it gives us the ability to make trades, which we all know Rick Spielman. He's going to find a way to have seven picks in round seven. So we got it. Yeah, they 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 already lost a seventh round pick. Got to start trading back. Got to start stockpiling, baby. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And here we go. First one off the board will be. Let's get this going. Start. So just for clarification, so so we are all we are all in the same front office here, and we are all collaborating for for each pick, right? Mm -hmm. So like so like Tyler's the president of football operations. And uh, and we're just like in the scouting department here, giving you giving you our takes. Yeah, pretty much, we we usually just come to a consensus and d- try and uh, build based on what we've done previously and kind of where the, the team is at at the moment. Uh, wow! And just look at this. Let it happen. Oh my! Giants wow. want us to trade up. I love this. Listen, I any, anything involving like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, like I'm giving those extra picks out like candy to move up in this draft. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know what you guys think. You can overrule me for being too reckless here, but I kind of love this. Like uh, any, anything after round four, I'm just sort of I'm just willing to just sort of give it away to move up in this draft. So what do you guys think? You know, we usually don't move up in these drafts. I think this would be a really fun exercise to kind of play off everything we've done. Dave, let's do it. Okay. Wow. Accepting. Wow. I just, I just like twisted your arm into being more reckless than you ordinarily are. I feel, I feel empowered well, well, right now. Can we, can we, can we trade up again? Let's trade up to two. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to do so, that. <laughs> well, one, one thing we like to do here, Phil, is with mock drafts specifically, they're a fun exercise. They're uh, to try and paint the picture of what could possibly happen in the NFL draft. And, Honestly, I think if you had a guy like Kyle Pitts available at 11, if you had a Penny Sewell fall to 11, I think that you would really see the Vikings try and make that jump up because those are, in my opinion, they're like generational type players at their positions. You're talking like the future all pro with by the end of their rookie contract. So I don't think it's a, an impossibility. Can you hear that? Does that mean we're on the clock, or is that your oh, phone ringing? Oh, it's my phone ringing. <laughs> Dave, that's good. Dude, that's a trade. Right. I mean that, that that might be the that might be destiny calling right there. Uh-huh. Um. So here's here's what we got on the board. We've got two quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Um, Mac wow. Jones makes no sense because as yeah. we don't need a Kirk Cousins replacement. The only way you make that trade or move is Mac Jones is valuable on a rookie contract. Kirk Cousins would be valuable in rookie contract, but he's not so valuable when you're paying him a 30 plus million dollar cap hit. Uh, Javonta Smith is still on the board. JC Horn, Christian Derrissaw at like, there's a lot of really good players available that can help the Minnesota Vikings this year and beyond. When you're taking a look so, at this bill, what is what jumps out to you? So the first thing that jumps out to me is the fact that Justin Fields obviously is still on the board. And I think if I'm in this position, even though I already traded up, so I've already I've already given up picks to move up. I'm kind of thinking, is there a team behind me that didn't think Justin Fields was going to fall this far that might want to give me extra picks to move back? And so I'm looking at New England. I'm looking at boy. I mean, this I'm, I'm actually I'm actually looking at no, 
Washington. I was I'm I'm kind of surprised that the Carolina didn't draft Justin Fields or mm-hmm. or Trey Lance. So they let they let a couple guys go by. The Broncos went to Trey Lance, which will have everybody in Denver here all excited. I think oh, yeah. the other the other really interesting name here, and if it if it was a different scheme and if it was a different organization, the fact that Devontae Smith is still on the board, this is one thing we've talked about on Purple Daily is just like the the tantalizing idea of creating a modern three deep with Thielen and Jefferson and Devontae Smith is is super fun to play out. But the way that the Vikings operate schematically offensively, there's just I don't I don't know that it's even like not you'd almost have to bring in a new offensive scheme or at least be a lot more pass heavy within your current scheme to make that a valuable pick. And so I would actually be looking to trade down here again, which is weird. But if I had to make a pick, I think Christian Derrissaw, I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing an offensive tackle here and I'm probably taking Christian Derrissaw. But what do you guys think? See, uh, you just made uh, Dave's heart smile because he loves the big boys in the trenches. Uh, I love Christian Derrissaw. He's my offensive tackle too right now. He is a mauler in the running game, and he is uh, technically proficient and really successful in the pass game as well. He does have a little bit to clean up with his footwork, hand placement, but a lot of that technique stuff is just stuff that you can refine at the next level. He has all the traits. He's got the movement skills. He's got the power, the anchor. He's got everything that you want, and especially when you're talking about a guy who I consider number two in this class. I don't consider Rashawn Slater a tackle. I have him as a second-round guard. And I think he can be elite at that guard position, but I don't see him being super successful playing tackle. Um, so Darius, I think would be a great pick. I think if we did want to make that trade back, Washington makes sense for two reasons. One, we'll be able to get the second round pick and New York would never trade with Washington and do that interdivisional stuff. So you could buy this pick to then flip it kind of like the uh, Miami Dolphins did with 12 to move right back up to six. So I think that could be something we could explore as well. Devontae Smith kind of worries me, uh, that 170-pound frame. Uh, when I watch the film, he is not very good with physicality. The few times that he got hit with press and he got punched in the shoulder, it wasn't very good. And the Alabama offense was fantastic at utilizing space, getting guys in space to work freely. And that's where Devontae Smith was the most successful. And in the red zone, he was working like Kyle Rudolph. He was mossing guys. So I worry about his transition. If he faces a Stefan Gilmore, is Gilmore going to punch him in the mouth? And is that the end of Devontae Smith? Like, for me, that's a big worry. I don't worry about that with a Jalen Waddle because he's 5'10", 180 pounds, and he is Tyreek Hill. Like, Tyreek Hill's a lazy comp, but the way they play, how their speed is almost identical, it fits really well. Like, to me, Devontae Smith being 170 pounds and not a burner is an outlier I don't want to take a chance on. But yeah, I won't but blame anybody. Three, we use what thirty plays catches thirty passes a season. To that, me, I, it doesn't matter. The Vikings took Randy Moss in a run heavy league in '98 when they had two Pro Bowlers and Chris Carter and Jake Reed. If you think he's the guy, who cares? Yeah, but I just that was under about, a different offense where they were throwing. Yeah, it was a vertical offense that Denny ran. But it was also running. it was also a different era though too, Dave. So right. if you think that player is that guy. You make it work. Yeah, I just nobody I worry that Devon, Moss. Not, but what I, what I'm saying is, I don't think Devonta is that guy. And Let me ask you this, Tyler. Do you, do you think who do you think who's the better receiver for you? Is it is it is it uh, Devonte Smith or Rashad Bateman? Bateman. Bateman's my wide receiver two, and Waddle's my wide receiver one. Uh, I have 
those two and Devontae Smith separated by about a point and a half. Waddle's at 91, Bateman's at 90, Smith's at 89.5. I just think Bateman's a more complete player. He does literally everything you need. He can play inside and out, and you don't have to worry about uh, physicality. He can burn you with his route running, and he's got deceptive long speed. Uh, he needs to clean up his releases a little bit. He has this weird false step that he makes every single release that you can fix with some coaching early on. But in that RPO game that Minnesota liked to run, it really didn't matter. He was burning people anyways. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to hit you one more time. Football. <laughs> Amazing breakdowns. All right, so all right, so can we what are we going to make a pick here or can we offer a trade? What do you guys What are you guys feeling here? We can offer a trade. I don't mind. Let's let's Otherwise, see if Washington we're picking Yeah, I agree. Let's see if Washington will give us uh their first and second round pick. Is so we can maybe move back five spots and get uh, Darisar, maybe Tevin Jenkins or my guy Samuel Cosme. Like, wow. If we can be able to get that, I think it would be worth the move back. Dave, yes. you see Inject where it says AFC? Yeah, hit NFC. <laughs> hit NFC, there you go. I love it. How often do you get guests who just like demand trade offers all the time? Am I being high maintenance right now? I, no, I just think I, I think this is how it works. Like if 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 Justin Fields is still on the board at eleven, even after you've made a trade, I think you're on the phone. I think you're on the phone right now. You're like, hey, anybody want a franchise quarterback who's played? You know, fit, what did he have? Like fifty touchdown passes? Or I mean, like the guy's ridiculous. So forty touchdowns and one interception in the regular season in uh, yeah. 2019. Obviously, last year was an anomaly. But if mm-hmm. you watch that Clemson game, that's some of the most dominant tape I've ever seen. That and Jalen Waddle against Missouri, it's 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 a right. domination. So we're offering obviously the first round pick swap, and then we're demanding their the second, second round. round pick, which gives the Vikings a second round pick uh, again. Mm-hmm. Let's see what they say. Let's see what they say. Bunch of clowns in that front office. Oh, oh there we go. There we go. <laughs> Wow, dude! All and right. then they who they take? And they took they took a cornerback. What are they doing? Ridiculous. Did they take Farley or was it J.C. Horn? J.C. Horn. They took J.C. Horn. That was wow. So okay, so so um, if we want amazing. to build up picks, I'd say that's a no. That's too far back to not get a, a one or a, a two next year in return. Here we get a one, a three for a one. I decline that too. Also, like yeah. so that that trade. Okay, there's another one. The the previous trade knocks you out of the first round. You want that fifth year team option if possible mm-hmm. too on a player. So mm-hmm. you want to stay in the first round if you think there's someone there. All right. Wow. Okay, we have the hottest typed quarterback presently, Mac Jones. What if we What if we just took Mac Jones here and then logged off? Like what What would happen <laughs> if we took Mac Jones and then? We've uh, taken quarterbacks before. Um, it's just quit. It's just quitty pay here, right? Don't you take quitty? Do you take quitty pay here? He's still on or, the board. Or, or Jalen Phillips. Uh, so I would take quitty pay. He is my edge one. Phillips is my edge two. Biggest thing with Phillips is he has he retired after the 2018 season because he had ankle and wrist injuries and he had multiple concussions. But on the flip side, he was the number one overall recruit in the 2017 class. Picked UCLA. And he, he kind of struggled, but this past year, opposite Quincy Roche, he was really, really good and showed he was a true, complete pass rusher. He he can he kind of reminds me of Von Miller 
in the fact that he can do a little bit of everything. He can stand up, he can put his hand in the dirt. Yeah, he can play a wide nine. He can play a five technique, everything in between. You could put him inside and stand him up in like a the Zimmer's A-glat blitz scheme. So he could do a little bit of everything. And I really like him, but those the concussions. Concussions are a really big red flag. And because we don't have access to that medical information and truly understand what's going on, I'll take Quiddy Pay, who is, yeah. in my opinion, the best run defender from the Ed's position. He's got multiple pass rush moves. His three cone at six three seven would have been the fastest three cone ever by a lineman, second fastest in the history of the combine if he was able to run it. The only faster one was in 2017. Uh, JJ Thomas, I think he was a cornerback. He was drafting like round seven by the Browns. Like we're talking historic stuff. I love Quiddy Pay. He is Yes. Um he Quiddy Pay is gonna be exactly what you got from Everson Griffin, except younger and even more athletic. I love it. I think I'm on the same page here. I think the fact that I mean the way like just to zoom out for a second. Whenever you have a chance to trade back, accumulate picks, and draft the same guy that you might have drafted eight picks earlier, it's a win. And mm-hmm. and the fact that Quiddy Pay is in the conversation at fourteen, you move back while well, you are you, you you moved up and then you move back. Um, so it's a little bit of a complicated you know math problem here with the picks. But like the fact that you still get Quiddy Pay and you're drafting in the second round, that's a win. I think we should pull the trigger. There we go. Dave, we're get we're beefing up the trenches. And just what everyone's been clamoring for here, more left tackle and left guard ambiguity after signing and drafting defensive players. <laughs> yeah, he, here's the interesting part though. This offensive line class is almost as good as the receiver class. It go. is very deep. You can get a starting left tackle in the middle of round 2. And cool. I'm I'm very intrigued by it. And the fact that you get the athletic freak of Quiddy pay at 19 to me is a no brainer. I'm sorry, Tanishka. I see you in the comments. We're going defense and it's not a corner at least. So Vikings fans don't have to really panic and take their fifth first round corner in the last decade. (laughs) Right. And you got Mike Zimmer at the podium with Quiddy pay with his arm around him and a big smile Unlike when he was at the podium when Kirk Cousins was signed and he was standing with a dejected face. Dejected <laughs> he, he's like, we're side. paying how much for this? This is ridiculous. Yeah. All right, we got more trades. Uh, we got Titans wanting to give us their second down to 53, move two spots plus a seven. That sounds like a Rick I mean, Rick Spielman, Spielman 100% says yes to yeah. that, right? I can yes. just wait. It's, it's mm-hmm. two spots and I get an extra seventh? What do I sign? And, uh, yeah. And then we have, who is it? Ooh, uh, Buccaneers, right? Two, four, mm-hmm. and seven to move down 13 spots by my math. So, Honestly, the way I look at this, get the seventh round pick to go down two spots, and you're really not taking a chance on missing out on a guy who can start day one. I think if you drop 13 spots, you could really miss out on a tackle. That which it, with the where the depth of this draft is, you do need it, Decline. and there will be value here. We're not dropping out of the second. Yeah, and that was and, and my thought was going to be basically like everything you just said. You can drop back two spots, get a seventh round pick, whatever. Like it's it doesn't matter either way, really. 
Um, and then the other one, you're dropping back 13 spots. How much do you value a fourth round pick? Because I think we traded a fourth round pick mm-hmm. uh, in our initial mm-hmm. trade to move up to 11. So, yeah. And so the so the question here would be sitting at 53. I think you have to go offensive line here, like whether it's Leatherwood or Mayfield. Now, I rem- this is where I'm going to defer 100% to Tyler. If I remember right, Leatherwood was initially, like before the season started, a lot of people had him going maybe even top half of the first round. Like he was, I feel like he mm-hmm. was higher in a lot of mock drafts. Why did he fall? Pardon my ignorant question. Um, and 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 is it automatic that you would go offensive line here? Or, or are there other valuable things that you're going to tell me? No, man, no, it doesn't make sense. I'm going to be honest. I I think you really just try and take best player available. And if offensive line is within like three or four spots and there's not a transcending guy who's like, oh, this guy's number 20 on my board and we're picking at 53. I, when I look at the board, probably offensive line. The big thing with Leatherwood and guys like Rousseau, when you're talking about summer scouting and when you're talking about grinding the tape right before the draft, it's two different things. When you're watching over the summer, you're trying to get a grasp of what is this player? What do they generally do? So when you go into the season, you can kind of build off that and really start to yeah, gain a true form of what the prospect is. Alex Leatherwood, five-star recruit, plays left tackle at Alabama. Uh, it, like He took over for Jonah Williams, who was a stud. And, I mean, it's Alabama. Alabama is just a football factory. So, But when you really watch the film, he's got great length. He's got great size. He's got some power. But the man can't move with within any extended space. He, he can't climb to the second level well. He really only moves well in short spaces. So to me, he transitions best as a guard, and that's how I graded him. I don't think he's a long-term answer at tackle. And maybe if you play him in a man-gap power scheme, but even when you're talking about the Ravens, like Orlando Brown is slow, but he's not incapable of moving. Ronnie Stanley's a freak athlete at left tackle, and he's great at climbing to the second level. Like yeah. I worry about Leatherwood being able to move laterally well enough like the, when he played against Aziz Ojolari, the Georgia edge, if Ojolari beat him off the snap, it was over. Leatherwood couldn't keep up. And and then once he overcompensated to go outside, Ojolari just beat him on the inside with a spin or a or a little swim move. So I have so, a so, bad guard. So so Tyler, I should ask you this too, like just to just to back up a step. Do you think Ezra Cleveland is a franchise left tackle? I think it's gonna be tough. Because Ezra Cleveland played left tackle in college, I thought he was a pretty good left tackle. I think they need to give him a chance to play left tackle. But to me, all the indications are he's going to be a long-term guard, and that's how the Vikings view him, which I I don't quite understand the logic considering how incredibly well he tested a tackle. He played very well. Even in the bowl game against Washington, when you're playing a bunch of NFL-caliber pass rushers, he played pretty well in 2019. So I... I don't know. I, I see him as the long-term answer at right guard, which kind of stinks, but I think he should be given a chance. He just won't be. Well, you know, I, I think a, so. I did oh, go a ahead, deep Dave. dive on Ezra last year, and Ezra, his strength was against speed because he could move out and bl- block speed rushers. His mm-hmm. weakness was power. Yep. Putting him at guard helps with the power because he's got to use power. He has no choice. But I think not using him at tackle and taking advantage of that speed, something which Riley Reef lacked, 
is a detriment to how the Vikings' offensive line is run. I think they mm-hmm. should try him at left tackle, personally. Yeah. I, you know, but that, I thought they should have had pro- Cleveland. Uh, go no, ahead. go ahead, Ty. I was going to say you should have put Cleveland at left tackle, slid Riley Reef into left guard because his skill set translates really well into guard, and he would have had a very capable guard next to him where he would be afforded to make some mistakes. It wouldn't have to really shoulder the burden of being the sole responsibility on the outside. That would you know, have made I, more I, sense. I think what's I think what they're probably just wrestling with right now is the fact that they they might feel like oh man on paper it makes sense to put Ezra Cleveland at left tackle and we feel you know we, we feel like it's worth a shot but this isn't exactly the year to just like go in sort of blind at left tackle and so this is just educated speculation just based on reports and based on some things that Judd and I are hearing. I think they're trying to sign a short, like a one-year veteran left tackle that has experience. Uh, I've heard the name Russell Okung, but they'd have to clear out more money to make that happen. And I, maybe I'm behind. If the, if he signed with somebody in the last like 36 hours, then I apologize. So, um, but like I, I think they would prefer to keep Cleveland at guard this year while they're trying to win big, so they don't have to go in with a huge question mark. Sign like a one-year left tackle in the bargain bin here, and and just reassess after 2021. Now, if they can't sign an established left tackle, or I mean, there's there's been all these Orlando Brown Jr. trade rumors, not even just rumors. Like the Vikings are absolutely in the mix and having conversations with Baltimore. Um, that's another option, and that would be a pretty low cap hit for 2021. Again, more evidence that like. You're trying to you're trying to reduce costs in 2021. You'd have to pay him big money or let him walk after 2021. So there's there are so many scenarios still to play out between now and the draft that will affect this exact decision that we're sitting on with pick 53 here. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to pick 53 because when we t- when we take a look at the board, you've got Levi Uzurike, who's my interior defensive lineman one, still available on the board. Uh, you have Wyatt Davis who. As I was watching uh, some Jason Owa tape the other day, I noticed Wyatt Davis was on the ground a lot. And I haven't finished his uh, film for 2020, but 2019 definitely looked way better. And I haven't heard very good things about this year. Landon Dickerson is a first-round talent, but he also has three torn ACLs. So how can you trust him to stay healthy? Is he worth the pick here? Um, We're seeing some Quinn Miners, who I know they finally added to the simulator. I love Miners. I gave him a second-round grade. He doesn't play like a D3 player. He plays like he played at Michigan for four years, and he's just playing bully ball at that crop top. He, hey, can, he can is a it, fun watch. For, so, so you said – so uh, I, I might butcher the pronunciation here, but Onwazarike, is that how you pronounce it? Onwazarike? Onwazarike. Onwazarike. So yep. I've seen him – as a first round grade all over the place, you just confirmed it saying that he's your number one interior defensive lineman. Is he run stopping interior defensive lineman or can he play on third down? Because if he can play on third down, he can help you this year. So pull the Mm -hmm. trigger. So the weird thing about uh, Washington's defense is they treat their defensive linemen like hockey lines. They play this really weird three, three, five scheme where it's not really anything super fluid like they just do all kinds of weird things and he played a lot of one technique right over the center and his best uh, projection is as a three technique gap penetrating pass rushing tackle so that's kind of what you're going to get from him at the next level that's where he's going to be the most successful I think he needs a year to really 
refine some of the things that he's going to be doing at the next level to really yeah. unlock that true potential. But I love on Uzurike's game. I I'm friends with an insider who uh, works with the, um, with Washington and he just can't say enough good things about him. Just good. the the person, the character, the football player. So I, I tend to kind of defer to him. And when I watch the tape, it, it really bore it out. He is, he's a wrecker on the inside. And I'll tell you, I know that there's been very credible discussions or, or reports of discussions that have the Vikings um, maybe trying to land Geno Atkins as like a reclamation mm-hmm. project for 2021, mm-hmm. like a one year contract. Well, obviously, if you if you felt like you could and, and just, you know, for the audience, like so Geno Atkins would probably be more of a Dalvin Tomlinson and or Michael Pierce come out and then Geno Atkins I don't think he's going to be an 800 snaps guy anymore like for a long time he was a stay on the field all the time guy he's probably more of a get on the field on third down and pass rush situations guy but if you can accomplish that with a young player with upside that you think might be able to help you in 2021 in more of a limited role and then become a full-on starter and 800 plus snaps guy in 2022 then maybe that's the Maybe, maybe you're going deep defense defense with your first two picks here. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely not against it. And let's be honest with the way that Zimmer's been talking and how he thinks that nothing needs to be done for the offense. Like load up on the defense. And I think that's a real possibility that we need to consider with how uh, Zimmer has spoken about how he needs to have this defense and how he thinks the offense is good. Maybe we take on Uzurike, bulk up that defensive line, we take a look at defensive lines from the past few years and how like the Eagles in uh, 2017 and the 49ers when they made the Super Bowl two years ago, they were able to go like six, eight deep and keep rotating guys in and out to keep them fresh throughout games. And I think on Uzurike gives you a real potential to be able to put him in there. Kind of like how they wanted to use Tom Johnson 2016, 2017 before the Sharif Floyd injury, get him in as a pass rushing only specialist and let him be able to use his fresh legs consistently. Yeah. Now I just want to say, cause it sounds like we're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pull the trigger on another defensive player here. Like we've all, we, we basically just talked ourselves into, I just want to reiterate. Yeah. We don't know who's playing left tackle or left guard for the Minnesota Vikings in <laughs> we, 2021. And we just good. spent every dime of outside free agency money on defense and the first two picks of on the defense. draft on defense. Mm-hmm. I'm Who here runs for this it. Team? <laughs> Who, screw it. Yeah. Just, let's just do it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when you talk about the veteran left tackle market, you do have some relatively good players. That you have Russell Okung, who you mentioned. Alejandro Villanueva is still available. I'm wondering yeah. if he's just kind of holding out so he can go back to Pittsburgh. But there are players available that can help you this year as kind of like that stopgap role. And I think in the third round, we're still going to be able to find a couple quality offensive linemen. Brady Christensen still on the board. Deontay Smith, who is my guy out of East East Carolina. You've got Spencer Brown, Northern Iowa. There are guys who you can get that can make real contributions either this year or next year. So, so Buffalo is calling with a trade offer. Oh, hello, Buffalo. Yeah, what's your trade offer? Does it include giving Stefan Diggs back, back to us? No? Okay, <laughs> click. Well, they want us to give a third and a fifth to move up to a second. Yeah, they would. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Let's try and get that offensive lineman. There were still some really good ones on the board when we last uh, talked. And you guys taking a talk, look right here. I need to take a quick 30 seconds. I will be right back. Discuss the Sounds good, Dave. 
So uh, kind of the two positions or two players right now that I think we should be talking about, Phil, uh, Brady Christensen, the BYU tackle, who had just a monster, monster pro day. So he was incredibly athletic. Like we're talking the same way as Cleveland and Brian O'Neill. And then James Hudson, the offensive tackle Cincinnati. He started his college career at Michigan as a defensive lineman, transferred to Cincinnati, really only a one-year starter. But when he got ejected for targeting in the Peach Bowl against Georgia, that you're talking that lost them the football game. So these are two players that can come in, and you may not want to play them immediately, but they can play as an athletic player just like Brian O'Neill did in 2018. And I think they can make a big difference. And notice how once you start talking about offensive tackles, the big dogs got to eat. Oh, oh. <laughs> Um, so I think my, my question to you would be like, once you get to this, because, because you've said, you know, starting caliber players for sure, halfway through Mm -hmm. round two, uh, maybe two thirds of the way through round two, at what point are we talking about players that shouldn't be expected to contribute mightily to the 2021 Vikings? Because that's what I want to know about. Like you've studied so much deeper into the draft than I ever will. This is your bread and butter. Are we talking about players? Are we talking about depth for the future here? Like projects to be developed? Or are we like are we are we still talking about players that could actually play meaningful roles for the Vikings in 2021? I think it's kind of a combo. I think when you're talking about guys like Brady Christensen and James Hudson, you're talking about absolute athletic specimens who played really well at the college level. You would prefer for them to redshirt a year. But if you had to throw them in there, they could use their athletic profile to really make a difference year one and at least be a good replacement. Like let's say Rashad Hill got hurt and you didn't start them right away. They could come in and I think they have the profile to be successful. I don't know if you want to count on them year one, but I I don't think that they're incapable of it either. So we're kind of at that in-between spot where you don't know if you want to start them year one, but they probably can. And I think, that's kind of the tough part is you don't want to rely on a late second, early third round pick to start at left tackle. But if you especially like guys have the profile, the Vikings just like, it's, you know, they're not, they're not batting zero, but like, like Brian O'Neill was a second round pick. That's been wonderful. And he's going to get a contract and he deserves it. And he's and he, and and he's been great. Um, But they just like, they haven't been great the last 10 years or so at finding, like, I think Rick Spielman, subscribes to the same theory with guards as you do Tyler which is all right we're just listen we're not going to spend 10 million dollars on a garden free agency that's a terrible way to spend money we're going to just find guys in the third fourth fifth sixth rounds develop plug them in and see what happens mm-hmm. i'm really wondering about the development part of that equation with the vikings it just doesn't say i mean sperano seemed to have some success for a couple of years or for a year i can't remember if he was here for one or two years and then tragically passed away, but they just haven't been that great at finding the guys along the offensive line in the middle rounds and then developing them through their system. That part of it seems to be missing for the Vikings compared to some other teams. Maybe I'm wrong. Your thoughts? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like when you're talking about like the late nineties, early two thousands Vikings and what guy like Mike Tice was able to do with those linemen, like finding Matt Burke and John Sullivan in round six, and turning them into all pro players, we don't have that anymore. We don't have that guy who can make that transformation. And the fact that we don't have it is really frustrating because there are guys like Wyatt Teller was a fifth round pick and he was a first team all pro last year as a third year player. There are guys who you can turn into that. And 
it's not super hard to do at the guard position. Like you don't have to be the best athlete. If you have technique and strength, you can, you can figure it out. And I wish we had that kind of coaching, but we just don't. So the curse of Willie Beavers, it's the curse of Willie Beavers. (laughs) Willie Beavers. Sperano was here for 2017. It was the best offensive line performance under Zimmer. Spiel died fall of 2018. Yep. And in fact, I mm-hmm. believe, I believe so pro football focus, I believe started tracking offensive line metrics in like 2000 or grades in like 2004, five, somewhere in there. Like they have a backlog. They've gone back and looked at film. The Vikings in terms of pass protection as an offensive line have only been top half of the league twice since then, which is nuts. One was in 2009 mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know how this factors in, but I think when you talk about some of the great quarterbacks of all time and Brett Favre is in there, they tend to elevate their offensive linemen. Like they they have in- instincts in the pocket that might bail a left guard out because they strafed one step to the right and stepped up and made a throw. And a guy might get a the guy might get a better grade on that play subconsciously because the quarterback made a move or he's or he mm-hmm. sees something at the line of scrimmage and 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 communicates something. Um, that another quarterback might not, right? And then the other year was 2017. Those are the only two years that the Vikings have had good pass-blocking units, according to Pro Football Focus. And I think, you know, some of it too, and and again, like the pass-blocking grades are in a vacuum outside of like the mobility of a quarterback. But again, the mobility of a quarterback in case Keenum could move a little bit. I think I think there is some gray area there where if a quarterback is mobile and makes the offensive line look better, then they might have slightly better grades in certain situations than if you're Kirk Cousins and you're completely at the mercy of whether there's pressure or not. So, anyways. Who are we no, I, I think right now let's take uh, our guy Deshaun's boy, Brady Christensen. Uh, he's got the athletic profile. PFF's number one rated tackle in the 2020 season in the college game. So wow. that that'll tell you something about uh, his play. And we All right, the Jets want watched to... him up as his pro day. Yep, and I don't think he was there for Zach Wilson. That the trend with Rick Spielman has been linemen. He has been going to pro days, and at every pro day, there's been linemen for him to see. So I think they're really focusing on the trenches, or at least that's my perception for wh- how his pro day visits have gone. A three and a four to go up. I I would say no. We've, we've got uh, two defensive linemen and offensive linemen. I think there's too much talent to be had in round three and round four to give up a, a, one of those picks. Sorry, Jets. Really sorry. Now, if you want to offer up Sam Darnold for basically nothing to be the uh, heir apparent to Kirk Cousins, I mean, let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Wow, look at this. I love that the Broncos – I love that I love that George and Rick are just on the phone here seemingly all the time. <laughs> I think we shouldn't rule out the fact that if one of the uh, that uh, Denver gets really, really uh, panicky and they try and make a move for Cousins because Patton loves him from everything that I know. Really, and that team's that team's That's a capable true. quarterback away to uh, really make a Super Bowl run because they have all the weapons. They have a good offensive line. They have a really, really good defense with Vic Fangio. But Their again, consistency a quarterback away. But again. All right, it was confirmed that the San Francisco offered, wanted Cousins, offered at least a first plus stuff to get Cousins. They ran it up the flagpole. Mark Wilf said no. Now, if 
Peyton calls and says, I want Cousins. I'm willing to trade. They still got to run it up to Mark Wilf. Is he going to accept it? Here's the problem now. Like if we're talking about that scenario now, after they've gone all in on defense and free agency, they are they are pot committed to Kirk Cousins as the quarterback in 2021. There's, I think there's almost as a guy who has spent the entire off season finding fun ways to trade Kirk Cousins and get out from underneath <laughs> that contract. There is almost no chance at this point that they trade him until after the 2021 season. So. I think you're right, but I want to introduce you to um, the biggest young Jeezy super fan in the world, and his name is Drew Locke. I think maybe <laughs> you could convince the Wilfs with that athletic upside and that cannon. It, it, it's a pipe dream, but it's it's not insane at the same time. Yep, I, I legitimately thought for a while there was like a there was a three team trade possibility that you know where that maybe sent Teddy Bridgewater back as a stopgap for one year that they might say yes to. Um, but it's, it's, it seems like now the Carolina is actually just a total side conversation. They were very much reportedly all in on trading for Deshaun Watson. And now they're probably like, Ooh, let these legal proceedings play out. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so, and now, and now Teddy Bridgewater deleted all the Panther stuff from his Instagram. And so that's uncomfortable. So I don't know what they're going to do, but anyways, are we going to take this Broncos offer? I would say no. Let's let's just ride it out until uh, ninety and just kind of see what happens. There are a lot of guys that are on the board. Wow. Speaking of the Panthers, a seven this year and a two next year. Even in a simulation where we would just get the pick, I'm saying no. Spielman ain't going to do that either. We're not uh, the New Orleans his, Saints. His employment's on the line. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wow, so. Jared. Even Jones on the phone here. So everybody wants this. I want to say this. Don't decline it. I want to accept it. And the reason I want to accept it is I want to introduce Phil to probably my second favorite player in the entire class. His name is Dwayne Eskridge. Have you heard of Dwayne Eskridge? Wow. No, tell me. Dwayne Eskridge is a 5'9 receiver out of Western Michigan, the same place Corey Davis went to school. Wow, you're, is, already trying, was, you're already trying to replace Chad Beebe. He, the dude signs <laughs> back, and you're already trying to replace him. So uh, Dwayne Eskridge is probably going to be best as a slot. He could play the Z, but the one thing that Eskridge is that most slot receivers aren't, he was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. The guy at 5'9", like 190 pounds, uh, can bench press like 350 and squat 5'10". Wow. And and he runs in the four threes. He's only been playing the receiver position for two years because he was a cornerback. And he's got, he still has some room to grow but he's an absolute freak athlete who's great at the catch point And he Hard does all these other things. And I think you could have some really fun flexibility and gadget type plays with a Dwayne Eskridge as he continues to learn the position. So yeah. I would love to see him in purple and he wouldn't be kind of like that Devonte Smith, like really want to go three deep. You could utilize him in the normal concepts that we run now, like a lot of crosses, some jet sweeps, and with Clint Kubiak having come from multiple different systems, obviously the main one is the West Coast wide zone that his dad basically helped invent in Denver. He's probably going to run a lot of that, but I think he's going to be more willing to use 11 personnel than ever before that, that we've let's, seen with this system. Let's do it. Let's pull the trigger here. Accept it. All right, Dave, accept it. I want Dwayne Eskridge, wide receiver, Western Michigan. 
Hey, what uh, dumb question? Is he a PJ Fleck guy, or was he? Did he come to Western Michigan after PJ Fleck? I suppose because PJ's I, been here. For I think three years. Well, Dwayne Askridge is twenty three, so I think PJ Fleck did recruit him. Wow. Oh, so he's so a row the boat guy. Too. It's a no brainer. He's a row the boat guy. Yeah. As far as like uh, for you being in the media, that will be extra fun for you to talk to him about PJ Fleck and the row the boat stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and that uh, to will answer be... Douglas's question, he does return kicks. So you're going to have that kick return flexibility right away, which w- will really help early on because the Vikings were, have been abysmal at it for a couple of years. All right, so Give the Bengals that seventh round pick. To move up, wait. Um, okay, no. No, yeah, no. So we would move up 15, 14 picks to, and give up a seventh? Is this This is a yes, right? I would say so, but Brick Spielman definitely wouldn't. <laughs> he loves that seventh. In this let's simulation, let's, we've let's, been let's doing – let's do it. Let's move up. Let's throw a caution to the wind, Rick. Apologies right, for so, getting rid of all your seventh-round picks. But We are in a really good position here, Phil, because Ben Cleveland is on the board. He was viewed uh, throughout the season as more of a power guy, but at his pro day, he tested off the charts athletically. And one of the best parts is – Aesthetically, he kind of looks like a mountain man. And the Vikings would then corner the market on guys named Dalvin and guys with the last name Cleveland in the NFL. And so you have to make mm-hmm. this pick 100%. Yep. I think Ben Cleveland's the pick. Make Dave happy as well. There it is. And we are up again at, I think, 132. I'm curious. I, I haven't been uh, keeping track of all the quarterbacks as they've gone by. The Stanford mm-hmm. and Texas A&M quarterbacks, have you seen them float by yet? Are they still on the board? Because I, I would still, yeah. even though the Vikings are all in for 2021, I would still be interested in taking a quarterback earlier than the seventh round, like just having someone on the roster Mm -hmm. that could potentially be, you know, a 15% chance to be a starter at some point, which by the way, I did the research last week on purple daily. When you start to look by round and this is kind of a, you know, obviously like this is kind of a, a, a nebulous exercise, but the last 20 years, when you're talking about first round quarterbacks, about 47%, I believe, have panned out to be at least quality starters as my own definition, quality starters for Mm -hmm. at least multiple years. Third round, it's still like 19%. So like, you know, it's not not good odds, but like when you draft a quarterback in the third round, the last 20 years, Russell Wilson's the obvious one, but there's still a somewhat decent chance that they could actually start games and be objectively good for you for a while. So I would have my Mm -hmm. radar up if I'm the Vikings in the third and fourth rounds. And I think you made a really good point about those two quarterbacks. Kellen Mond's an interesting one because he has every single trait in the book. He's He can make every throw. He's a great athlete. He's got the size, but he was incredibly inconsistent. And watching his career progress as just a college football fan, you could see he had it, but he was never able to consistently put it together. So that's that's scary. But because he has all the traits, I can see a quarterback's coach wanting to take him in round three, round four. Davis Mills, the Stanford guy, I have him as my quarterback five, and I think he's better than Mac Jones. Davis Mills was the number one pocket passer in his recruiting class, and I, I believe it was 2018. Davis Mills is, has a cannon. 
He ran a 4.6640. He's more mobile than he's given credit for, and he can make every throw in the book. He's a little inconsistent. He's had some injury issues. He tore his ACL in 2019. Like there's there's some red flags, but the talent is there, and I think you can really make a case that if you put him in the right system and he stays healthy, that he could be that 19 percenter, and you could really find a starter in round three for a, a long period of time. Yeah, like I'm kind of at the point with the with the Sean Mannion situation. All due respect to Sean Mannion, like whatever whatever due respect he deserves, I guess I don't know, but you got to have something behind Kirk Cousins that is either more developmental or someone that you would actually feel like you could win a couple of games if he was out for a month. Mm-hmm. And and that's been the one of the biggest praises of Kirk Cousins. He's never out for a month. The guy's he's one of the mm-hmm. most durable starting quarterbacks in the NFL, but. I just think it's time, and and I think the Vikings for a while, especially early on in Kirk Cousins' contract, I think they were going out of their way to say, listen, we love you. You're our guy. Uh, we're not going to bring somebody in that's developmental because you're our guy, and we're going to bring we're going to bring in more of an assistant coach, sort of eye-in-the-sky quarterback to help you out to make you better. I think you have to move past that now that his contract is the way that it is. Um, and he's, mm-hmm. and he's 33 years old. And so it all the more reason if one of these guys is on the board in the third or fourth round and maybe they're gone and we're just like, you know, pontificating, um, for a future scenario that may exist, but I would be interested in pulling the trigger on a quarterback in the third or fourth round. No, I completely agree. I think you should take a quarterback at least every other year because there's a good chance that you're going to find a guy. Just think of what the Packers in the early nineties with Brett Favre. They had guys that they were able to flip for big-time capital. Matt Hasselbeck, Mark Brunel, both got multiple picks, including ones on day two. You can take those guys and turn them into, into good players. Matt Castle, Patriots drafted him in the seventh round, never started a game at USC behind Matt Leiner. They got two second-round picks for him when they shipped him to Kansas City. Jimmy Garoppolo, they drafted in the second round, thinking he'd be the heir apparent. They flipped him for a second-round pick. Jacoby Brissett was a fourth-round guy. They flipped him for Philip Dorsett, who ended up playing a really big role on a Super Bowl run. So you can take guys as kind of like flyers in these middle rounds and turn them into capital later on. And that's not something that's an anomaly. People are able to do it. Matt Schaub was a backup quarterback in Atlanta, went for two second-round picks to Houston back in the day. So there's precedent. Take a guy, develop him, and you never know when 2017 is going to happen. 2016 is going to happen. You got to be prepared. And as good as Manning is for Kirk Cousins mentally, he's not somebody you want to play. Correct. A hundred percent. So who's offering this trade? Can you scroll up a little bit there, Dave? Who's offering this? Titans. Uh, The the Titans. I think that the Titans have snuck into our uh, voicemail here a few times. So we get, we moved down two spots in round four. And we pick up an extra four and we give up a five. I mean, just for the sake of tonight's exercise, a four round mock, we almost have to say, yes. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We, um, we're giving up two fours. So let's decline. You're right. Okay. I misread it. Yeah. Yep. So let's keep the fours. Okay. Here we go. All right. Pardon my coworkers. Both dogs have been making noise. (laughs) That is okay. All right, so at, at this spot in the draft, uh, we, we've really addressed a lot of needs. And one of the things that I really like to do is I kind of like to take best player available. And when I look at the board at who's available, I have three, four names that jump out to me. 
Kylan Hill, the running back out of Mississippi State, I, I am in love with Kylan Hill. Wow. That he plays, he will, one, he's a good athlete, not a great athlete, but he will run you over and like the Allen Iverson step over on Teron Lou, and he will just make you eat your words. I'm, I'm going to tweet right now. Tyler thinks Vikings should jettison Dalvin Cook for <laughs> Kylan Hill. Let's see what happens. I, I will run with it. I love Kylan Hill, and, but I don't think he should be the starter this year. Um, and then you've got David Moore, who I just watched interior offensive line out of Grambling. He's 6'1", 335. He's built like a bowling ball, and he plays mean. Like that, I know you're a wrestling fan, and I, I am too. I'm wearing a Bullet Club t-shirt right now. Wow, he was wow. He threw a couple of guys. Absolutely. <laughs> he threw a couple of guys just like judo style uh, in the game I was watching. And he is fun. And he stood up at the senior bowl and was able to take everyone on. Um, Osa Odingzua, the defensive lineman out of UCLA, I think. His, and Ade Takumbo Ogundeji uh, from Notre Dame. Both of those guys, I think uh, Andre Patterson would really like. They're not going to be phenomenal athletes, but they're guys who have a lot of length and really can create havoc kind of like as interior like sub package rushers and a five technique like run stopper opposite of Daniil Hunter and I think they could project to be really quality starters in the National Football League maybe being like that six to eight sack range um, I think those are guys that you could really target right now um, kind of what we've done so far in the draft field what what are you looking at with how this board sits yeah I mean so I love the so this is gonna again I, this is going to make me sound like I'm a hater, but like I don't like paying running backs and I didn't love the Dalvin cook contract. He's amazing. Yep. He's one of the, he's legitimately one of the most fun Vikings offensive players to watch in my life. And I just mm -hmm. don't think when you look at some of the other holes they've had on the roster I, and, and the fact that he's just kind of an injury concern on a regular basis. And then you look at the fact that look look at the last ten Super Bowl winners. Look at the look at their starting running back in the Super Bowl, and like all of them made less than two million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So, for all those reasons, I am very interested in keeping good running backs in the pipeline for a lot less money than Dalvin Cook makes for the future, um, and just guy like it's a it's a position that especially with him, you're going to expect to miss games, so. I love the Kylan Hill idea here. Um, I trust your instinct on on your evaluation there. So I I would draft a running back here. People are going to be like, "Why are they drafting a running back?" Well, because it's a it's a position of attrition, yeah. and Dalvin Cook misses games, and so um, I I like it. I would take Kylan Hill here. Kylan Hill, I that he is one of the guys that if he's available at this spot, I would I would be that scout standing on top of the table just demanding that we take him. He is he is everything that I want in a running back. He's got the attitude, kind of that junkyard dog kind of style where he's just going to run you over and pound you in the mouth when you're and done. Then, and, the, and, and I get that Vikings fans don't want to hear this, but like the, the adult thing to do here would be to plan for 2021 to not work out at a Super Bowl level and for major changes to happen after the season. I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying it's going to happen. You just have to sort of plan for the worst-case scenario. And if if you wind up at the end of an era, so to speak, at you know at the end of 2021, you would probably look to trade Dalvin Cook in his prime for like a second round pick, and you'd want some running backs of the future. I'm just I'm just I'm just listen. I'm not being negative. I'm just I'm planning for all scenarios here. I agree. I let's do it, Dave. Kylan Hill, running back, Mississippi State. 
Ryan, I see you in the chat. I don't care about your Oklahoma guys. I really don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, so we got one pick left, and got to be it's got to be a special team. It's got to be a special teamer of some kind, right? It's Rick Spielman. Is there a punter out there? <laughs> I think one guy we didn't talk about, and he was on the board earlier, is Talanoa uh, Hufanga, uh, the safety out of USC. He's gonna is. He's kind of going to be like an in-the-box guy, kind of like a, a hybrid-esque type player. And I think that you can utilize him as a developmental strong safety behind Xavier Woods. Not only that, but he's also a guy you could play early on in special teams, kind of filling that role that you mentioned here, Phil, and the fact that you can get a developmental player uh, for the long term. And we haven't needed de- depth safety anyways. You're two safeties are Josh Metellus and Harrison Hand. And Harrison Hand's never played safety. And Metellus yeah. was honestly not that good at Michigan in 2019. So, yep. and like, I, you I got, like You, you, you got to start thinking about life after Harrison Smith. I mean, this is, you know, whatever, whatever the extension and restructure looks like is probably going to be the last contract for him in a purple uniform. You know, he's in his 30s. He, I'm actually kind of surprised he's still as good as he is. The style of play that he has put out there for 10 years or nine years, whatever it's been. So you got, you got to start thinking about life after Mm -hmm. Harrison Smith. I like the pick. And I, I think the one thing that Harrison Smith has playing for him is he's never been this phenomenal athlete and he's almost always been the most successful because he's smart and he's got great football IQ and instincts and he's able to utilize that to maximize his athletic ability. So I think he'll be able to play another five years and still be relatively successful. Look at that. Seven picks inside the first 143. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what. If if the, if the draft plays out like this, it means that they probably signed a left tackle in free agency. But they will have all the weapons they need defensively with the veteran signings they've made if they draft just like this, if if they draft just this way in the first two rounds, then Mike Zimmer will have nothing to complain about from a personnel standpoint. He will have everything that he could ever want, and it would almost be a failure then if you don't have a top five defense in 2021. Um, if if he's right about Patrick Peterson, if they're right about Quiddy Pay in the first round, etc. Yeah, you'd be Absolutely. expecting top five at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Not just top ten, and, but top five. And, and um, unless you're talking like major injuries and stuff, like we dealt with last year, losing out on Barr, losing out on Hunter, Pierce opting out. Unless you're dealing with that kind of stuff, there's no way that this should be defense should be outside of the top ten. There, are, there's a lot of talent, a lot of room to grow for all those rookies who got max snaps last year. Cam Dantzler should easily be a CB two in this league. Jeff Gladney with a full off season should be much improved considering that he was basically treated as CB1 by Mike Zimmer, and he just wasn't ready for it. He was coming off a knee injury where he had almost no offseason to prepare, and it was COVID. So there's a lot of room for this team to grow. And Plus you got Mike Hughes finally healthy. You have five starting corners. I think think the signing of Mackenzie Alexander might signify – more more injury concern with Mike Hughes than we than we thought. I'm 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 wondering about that. We'll have to see. I agree. I'm I'm not convinced Mike Hughes is going to be on the team or play a significant role. You, you haven't been able to trust him since he tore his ACL his rookie season against Arizona. So 
it'd be great if he's able to contribute, but I don't think you can count on him for anything other than being a depth guy at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the moves that they've made in free agency sort of signify we can't rely on on uh, Mike Hughes to be a, a key player. And like like Tyler said, if he is, awesome. But um that's a lot lot of lot of things to go through in a short amount of time for for him to just sort of bounce back and be a hundred percent. Absolutely. With that, this has been Mock Draft Monday. Phil, it's been great having you on, talking ball, getting some getting a, another perspective on here to kind of uh weave the Vikings through the draft process. So I greatly appreciate your time. For sure. And Tyler, we'll get you on purple daily at some point between now and the draft. So you can shed some knowledge uh, to our audience and on our channel too. And um, of course, make us, make us smarter. Mm -hmm. Hey, I I would love the opportunity. It'd be a good time. Right on guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And this should be a fun month-long stretch for our purple to see what, what they've got up their sleeves. You ain't kidding. With that, absolutely. Goal, everybody. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, Please rate us on your favorite aggregate. Skull, everybody.